Welcome to the Sleep by Shay podcast. I'm Shay Morrison, sleep expert and co-founder of The Goodnight Co. Join me each week for hints and tips on all things sleep and follow me on Instagram at Shay Morrison. Welcome to the third episode of season 10. This year, rather than start the year with a bang at lightning pace speed, I'm consciously making a decision to start more slowly. And one of the key areas of focus is to just slow things down a little bit. And I know that that's sometimes easier said than done. Maybe this will work for you too. If you've thought of these five words before, but when things slow down, chances are maybe you're too busy. You're running on empty and unfortunately, your sleep is probably suffering too. On today's episode, I chat with Jack Lewis, the founder of The Broad Place, a global school for creativity, clarity and consciousness. We talk through the reasons why slowing down is so important to not only your mental health, but your physical and spiritual health and how sleep can greatly improve by doing this. Jack is a wealth of knowledge and shares lots of great advice on the slowdown and meditating. If you are someone who is not yet so sure about meditating, maybe you've tried it once or twice before and it wasn't for you, I encourage you to have a listen and see how you feel at the end. I would like to remind listeners that while we discuss a wide range of topics on the show, any advice I give is purely my own opinion. If you want to delve deeper and require further support in your sleep health journey, please speak to your preferred healthcare professional so they can tailor their service to your particular health and medical needs. I do hope you enjoy this episode. Let's get started. Hello and welcome to this podcast session. Today I am joined by the beautiful Jack Lewis. So Jack has The Broad Place, which um, I have been spending a lot of time with lately, um, pretty much since last October, but I did my first meditation course with The Broad Place. I think it was in 2017. I will say that I dabbled in meditation during that period until I got really serious last year and went all guns are blazing and join Jack on the um, India meditation retreat and then have recently been doing the meditation teacher training. So welcome, Jack. Um, it's so great to have you here and to, to connect for the second time today on Zoom. <laughs> I guess if you could share for people that may have been living under a rock and haven't heard of you or the Broad Place, what made you start the Broad Place and what's been your journey so far? Oh, question. So essentially... We started the Broad Place as an answer to, we couldn't find, my husband and I who started it together, um, couldn't find something that wasn't dogmatic. You know, there's a lot of extremes when it comes to self-development and spirituality um, that was non-dogmatic, that was really lateral and creative and approachable. And I am not interested in shoving things down people's throats. Uh, and I like to work with people to take them on their own personalized journey because everyone knows themselves better than I will ever know them. And I just want to bring out the best of what that person has to offer as opposed to say like, here, follow the doctrine and you've got to do X, Y, Z. And so we started The Broad Place basically as a solution to that, which, and you know, this was 10 years ago. So um, the space was either pretty hyped up, pumped up, uh, turning up style, or it was really sort of femme and, you know, moon circles and um, mm-hmm. pastel meme wellness. Uh, or it was very dry in corporate. And so we wanted to sort of set in the midst of that, in the middle, and not lean too heavily into either uh, any of those areas. And it's been 
beautiful. Like it's been such an incredible process and we were very lucky. I think combination of right place, right time. And mm. we're ready for that. They were ready to find their, forge their own, be encouraged to forge their own path through emotional health, self-development and spirituality. And so, yeah, 10 years later, we're still still going and training lots of amazing teachers and publishing books, doing mentoring and working with businesses as well. Beautiful. And, you know, making such a big impact, really. And your business is global. So there are people that can access this information and do all of this from wherever they are in the world, which I think is also amazing. Yeah, it was fascinating because we religiously taught in person. We never touched online, really. And COVID, you know, went alone in that, really sort of knocked our socks off. It was a really remarkable process to go, well, and prior to COVID, I was traveling a lot. So I would teach on an annual circuit between LA and New York and Hong Kong and London and around Australia. Being able to expand our audience outside of that has been such a gift. So we've taught people in the last couple of years in the most remote corners of the world. And it's been so fascinating connecting a community of people that don't have access necessarily purely due to their geographical location. Mm. So that's been incredibly rewarding and for, for us and for them as well. And to be able to, to create that education so that they can connect and, and still teach in person a little bit, but we are, mm. we've been definitely more focused online and it's also created a really great, um, what we call like a somatic experience. So, you know, people generally aren't rushing or getting a parking ticket or running late, mm. you know, traveling on a plane to get to us. They're in the comfort of where they would like to be. And it's really created well, what surprised me is, is created a quite an optimized learning experience. Which is fantastic. And has there been anything else that you've noticed that has shifted? So you've been, you've had this business for 10 years, you've been in the space for 25 years in this last sort of three or four years during the COVID period, have you seen more people gravitate towards taking this step to better wellness in this overall banner? Oh my gosh, so many things. I have seen a huge trend towards more men engaging mm. what was predominantly considered a female space oriented yep. and taking better care of their emotional health, discussing and really being involved in, in their own spiritual health as well. We've seen in the last 10 years this burgeoning kind of industry of, you know, like your Andrew Huberman's and yeah. a lot of people that are now focused on starting to really publicly acknowledge and really push that things like meditation and sleep and exercise and what I would call the pillars that then inform how we go on to do everything else. Um, that's now become not something that just elite athletes or maybe being burnt out and are taking care of themselves. It's a lot more preventative care, which I think is excellent because, you know, particularly five years ago, I was dealing with a lot of people who had hit rock bottom. So they burnt yeah. themselves the ground and then it's such a longer journey to lift yourself out of that space whereas if you can have a bit of a scope and go mm, probably getting it's getting a bit hot and spicy for me in life getting a bit too close to the fire and rather than going to full burnout I'm going to start prioritizing my emotional physical and, and, and spiritual health and mm. that, that's been fantastic some interesting side things where like the I think there's been quite the exposure and teardown of the guru in the meditation space hey which has been fascinating to watch and the Me Too movement with women as well that's come forward and I should say men, but predominantly, you know, that sort of abuse of power that happened in a lot of these spaces and the yoga mm. spaces um, has been being dismantled, which I'm wrapped about. And then there's also, I've seen a huge trend towards workplaces in employing, 
you know, even seven, eight years ago, mostly the training was around leadership training and it was really mm-hmm. about optimize the employees so that they could be more productive and do better work. There's been quite a big shift now into or uh, towards the recognition, even if the resentful recognition, but the recognition mm-hmm. that a balanced, empowered, you know, strong, emotionally strong, not even necessarily resilient, meaning if we push them through anything that they can cope, but really strong and empowered individual will do better work. But also if they're happier in their home life, then they're also going to be better off at work and vice versa. So mm-hmm. create cohesion and you know, this more holistic approach where it's just like, oh, they're a person that happens to work for us and has a life outside of us. And I would also say one of my happiest things is the dismantling of this concept of the work-life balance, which I don't <laughs> see anyone achieve, you know, because we, we move and we evolve and situations change so rapidly. And I, I like this more agile, lean, work with the present moment approach that is mm. more um, prevalent, I think now, than it yeah before so that's also fantastic there's some amazing insights in there but on the topic of burnout in particular it's something that we've been exploring recently in our business you know I think the stat that I read the other day from a human resources directors magazine that Australians in 2021 the burnout cost to society is 11 billion dollars you know that feels quite high Sometimes I feel like we're all very aware of it, but there's still not a lot of action happening towards changing that work-life balance piece. Oh God, it's like climate change. You know, it's like, yeah. ah, the ramifications of this are going to be enormous, but the moves and the like, the, the pieces Slow. of the puzzle happen and, and quickly are still not taking place. And I'm still yeah. seeing places people like they they look at the bottom line they look at their profit margin they understand that the investment would be incredibly worthwhile and the cost of not taking care of people and educating them you know i am always saying you don't need to wrap your stuff in cotton wool but you do want to provide the right kind of self-leadership and training and education for your staff so that they can take the right kind of care for themselves and communicate Mm -hmm. to the people that they need to if they feel like they're having a bit of a you know, they're, they're moving into an area that they're not going to do their best work in as opposed to what used to happen, which was just shamefully continue um, mm-hmm. and feel like they're weak or a lot of people still aren't taking the full leap. Then yeah. it's still like too much, a little bit too much of a stretch. And so what we're seeing is a lot of individuals autonomously taking care of this for themselves. Yeah. And, and I think also to that point, one of the things that you've mentioned a couple of times is that people who dabble in meditation and want to do it or don't want to do it, just committing to it daily, you know, even though life might be okay and it's not that bad, it's the also the prevention for when something might happen and invariably it probably will to most people, whether that be an illness or a family member who dies or uh, a job loss or, or something very traumatic in their life, this is what will help get them through that time even if they don't need it right now absolutely and the greatest I mean the biggest piece of feedback that we received particularly through 2020 and 2021 was I desperately wish I'd learned to meditate earlier I waited until life fell apart which people still do but I I waited until you know it really hit the fan and then I and then I started to take measures and I you know I always use exercise as a really nice um you know similar Mm -hmm. because it's the the commitment piece is really important a lot of the time we're using away from motivation so if you look at exercise it's like oh my god you know i feel so fat or i don't want to feel like this or and so therefore i'm going to exercise myself into the ground 
or starve myself or, you know, intermittent fasting, which is really, you know, being misused, I think, a lot. Mm. Um, and Particularly for women particularly for women and it's in a way from motivation it doesn't actually get us very far whereas toward motivation is i want to feel strong fit and healthy in my body and i want to feel my best and i want to look my best what might that commitment look like and how might i support myself to bring that into realization and for me the same is with emotional health it's i mean i don't really enjoy going to the gym or doing strength training or even like doing pilates i love <laughs> doing yoga and tai chi it's that thing where when my commitment is strong and I know which direction I'm facing in, I know how mm -hmm. to support myself to get there. And the same goes for meditation. You know, I don't always enjoy meditating. I'm not like, oh, I can't wait to sit in the chair and meditate, but I know the <laughs> practice and I, I know my commitment to feeling great, feeling creative, feeling in flow. And so there are a lot of things in life where, you know, it's the sad reality is that we, we do the things that we don't necessarily love until we get the results and then we learn to love them <laughs> and then we're like oh this thing is great but we've got to sometimes go through a bit of the hard yards in the beginning and I think that that's a perfect segue into sleep because I think that that's also there's so many similarities to that topic where for whatever reason because I'm such a lover of sleep so I'm like oh bring it on anytime for me but so many people don't love sleep and see the priority and see the benefit unlike meditation in that case you know you don't have to meditate but you do have to sleep, but yet people still resist it every day. It's, it's hard for me because I'm in eight to nine hours a night and I just know yeah. who I am if I don't get that. And I teach a lot of like global high-flying CEOs and they live incredibly pressured lives. And, you know, when they map out like, hang on a second, I don't understand how you've achieved, you achieve all the things you achieve, you know, in the last couple of years, you know, we've I've been able to execute a lot in two and a half years. Mm -hmm. And I'm like, but it's because the only way I can do all those things, like publish four books and host retreats around the world and launch online platforms and, you know, do mentoring workplace programs and do teacher trainings and so forth that require such lateral thinking and gear changing as I move through all those activities and working across multiple time zones is because I meditate and I get a solid eight hours sleep. Like it's not yeah. the other way around. And so <laughs> I'm always saying put those blocks in first to people like, and the sleep and the link to sleep and longevity, life longevity. I mean, I know so many, particularly guys, were like, oh, my gosh, I'm going to do all the things because I want to live as long as I can, but they're missing the sleep piece. I'm like, the sleep piece is the piece. <laughs> it's the bit that it's important. the piece. <laughs> uh -huh. And thankfully, you've got so many, you know, these, like, high-profile podcasters and so forth, particularly coming out of Europe and America who are just drilling the message of sleep on. Like, it's a non-negotiable. There's, you know, Matthew Walker and so forth. And they're like, there's just no, there is no person that is an outlier in this. There's no, like, oh, but I'm the person that can get by on four hours. It's like, you might be surviving, but you won't survive long enough. To or, or thriving. Yeah, or thriving. Yeah. Mm. And also, I think what it takes, like, for me, the, the sleep piece, because a lot of our students aren't getting enough sleep, the meditation mm. is a support system for that. I mean, ultimately, I'd like to see them doing both really well yeah. but it's not a reality sometimes and particularly if you're working three jobs I get that and you're working you know my brother-in-law is a is an EU nurse and he doesn't get to choose hours of mental um mm -hmm. can be such a remarkable support system to stabilize the nervous system so that that adrenaline cortisol tempers and that then when you are going into sleep you are going to sleep it's not taking a long 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 time to be able to fall asleep and get into those deeper REM states it's actually it's shifting that so that you can 
you're in a high adrenaline cortisol environment all day, and I, I know you know this, um, and then you don't have any windows where you regulate the nervous system and the somatic experience, and then you try to go to sleep and you look at tech before you go to sleep, it's not going to go so well. It's all of those things, but then potentially you're adding in a poor diet, eating late, alcohol, some medications that you might not even know that don't agree with you. Like there's all of these extra layers and without shaming anyone or, or trying to create overwhelm, yes, there's a lot more information about it now, but the focus on it is so important. The really nice thing that that I like is that, as you just mentioned, if you can't, if you're not getting that sleep, then what else are you getting, which is the either meditating or some form of rest or silence or just an inward time where you can close your eyes for 10 minutes and breathe to let your body regulate back to the nervous system feeling that you need to regenerate, I guess. Absolutely. I, there's a lovely, I shared this um, analogy with a student the other day and and they were saying, and I, I hear them, like I agree. Like there are some days when I wake up, I'm like, you've got to be kidding me. Like, <laughs> you know, like, you know, stretch and, and meditate. Yeah. So I want to do the seven-minute workout and then I want to do stretch. <laughs> that afternoon or evening I want to go to yoga and I'm trying to punch a big work day and eat healthily all through the day and what if you're traveling? And parent. Lounge. Oh, my God, and parent. And, <laughs> and, then, and then, you know, not get cranky at my partner. And Like there's there's so many benchmarks and, you know, everyone's banging on now like you couldn't get enough protein and X amount of vegetables and diddle and are you eating keto? But I get it. It is there's a lot of things you could be doing so it does get a lot, but I always say that you can plant whatever you want, but if you don't have the right type of soil, it just won't take. And mm -hmm. so even in bad conditions, if you have great soil, and so sleep and meditation, are like basically creating the fertile conditions that then you can be a little bit more haphazard in your planting. Mm -hmm. So if you get the foundations right, it's not a house of cards. Ah, oh, gosh, no, I read this article the other day. There's some person starting some wellness center and he said the emphasis of why he started it was because he wanted to be able to work 24 hours a day. I nearly like spat my, my coffee out. <laughs> like, ah, that's not why we embrace wellness, but okay. But he was saying, you know, like he does the infrared saunas and the ice baths and the protein shakes and the, you know, and does all these like multifaceted things, but just so he can work harder and faster. And I'm like, that's all going to ultimately be like throwing water on marble. Like you can push your body through all those high adrenaline dates, but it's not actually going to permeate and take because the body doesn't understand what rest is. You're not digesting that protein. You're not digesting all those enzymes and all those supplements that you take. And, you know, and you're actually putting your body under enormous stress in those infrared saunas and in those ice baths if you don't have the rest and repair component happening. And mm. I think seeing I don't know if you're seeing this but I'm seeing a lot of like wellness what people consider to fall under wellness wellness burnout where people are pushing themselves so hard to take better care of themselves and it's like I think we need to just I'm hoping the pendulum will swing and just actually pairing it back simplify mm -hmm. get good quality sleep meditate every eat day well. just for a little moment eat as well as you possibly can because there's this real reactive you know intermittent fast or in the in this six hour window and people are just binging themselves senseless in this six hour window and or just not getting a, it's impossible to get all the things you need to get in this tiny little window of one meal a day or whatever it is yeah i know that balance isn't like the sexiest thing in the world and it's not stick and it's not you know that extreme but, but it works mm. and and i i feel that this year there's definitely a different tone that feels like it's being set around sustainability and that word's very loose and broad, but 
sustainability across all areas. So how are you being sustainable in life to yourself for other people? And that is less, doing a little less and take, and, and like you're saying, just stripping a lot back. And, you know, you talk a lot about social media and, you know, I couldn't agree more where we need time away. There's such a push-pull to it, particularly if you're a business owner or you, you're responsible for running social media accounts and it just sucks you into this vortex and throws you all these fad types of things that, that you're talking about as well that we don't need. You know, it's this simplified approach. Well, we also like to take into account, like we have mirror neurons. They're not just in the brain, but they're all throughout the body. And they are that monkey see, monkey do element of us. And so when we're on social media and we see some guy, you know, with a six pack meditating on top of a stack of rocks and some rail thin yogi, you know, who's like, I swear by there's collagen, you know, blah, blah, blah. And, and then and then it's this influx of, you know, we might be following people that we think are inspirational and aspirational, but our, our brain and our body are just looking at this enormous amount of data where everyone's saying something slightly different going you know do this be that blah, 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 you know and you know how to set boundaries and how to you know there's so much insta therapy and so forth and it just it's fritzing the whole nervous system and definitely fritzing the neural pathways and the psychology so the simplification and pairing back and and also the question i always ask people is how do you know what's working when you're doing so many things yeah and look, you, this is coming from someone who, by nature, is <laughs> I get manic. I love to like take things to the nth degree, you know, and have been down that path where you know I've tried all of them at once, became like a you know a smoothie of too many things, and it's like I don't even know what the flavor is anymore. There's so much in here. So I'm saying this from an experiential point of view and from getting it wrong so often. But if we can actually strip it back and simplify, and then begin to feel into what's working for us, mm -hmm. right, building blocks, then it doesn't become a house of cards that we have to tear down and start again. And it also becomes, to your point, sustainable, financially mm -hmm. sustainable, emotionally sustainable. I'm so guilty of this. You know, my husband always is like, I open the cupboard and there's like, I don't know how many jars and like, you know, things that aren't like half finished, you know, supplements and herbs and Ayurvedic this and that. And he's like, are you going to finishing any of these? But if I'm feeling stressed and I'm in the health food store, I'm like, hello. <laughs> you know, Guilty. We're by nature, we low on time in today's world. And so we are mm -hmm. looking for the quick fix and my worst word, the hack. Um, I don't know who mm -hmm. created the life hack. It's the foundational simple stuff that is the stuff that works. Um, mm -hmm. And consistently. Yeah, consistently. And I think also it's sort of a point you touched on before, and it's certainly something that we really recommend from a sleep perspective is personalized. We can get all of this information, but it has to be personalized. And you are the only person that knows you. And ultimately, you're the only one you can be guided and you can get information, but you have to tune into your body and understand what it needs from any of the things that we're talking about, but particularly when it comes to meditating and sleep. You know, one of the questions I know this morning was around breathing, moving, meditating, you know, what order will ultimately it's going to come down to what works for you and when it works in that day. And if you're so rigid about making that decision, it has to be like that. It's never going to be sustainable. And it's the same when it comes to sleep is that you have to ultimately you can get all the information about it and then decide what makes you feel best my sleep journey is going to be very different to yours. What makes me wake up and feel great in the morning? Oh, definitely. 
And, and the exploration of that can be really fun. I always, I mean, I, I like waking up ridiculously early in the morning, but I have always done that my whole life. Yeah. We're both early risers. Our whole family, except for my brother, you know, woke up really, really early and it's just always been the way I've done it. It's not that I'm trying to be part of the 5am club or anything like that, but for my mm. husband, completely unsustainable. Like he's so wiped if he wakes up at the time that I get up. So mm. I like it's actually kind of nice to have him sleep in for a little bit because then I get some time and space on my own to do my rituals and meditate before we then go and start our day. Um, yeah. And so I think that like just being the confidence to go, you know what, this is what works for me. And sometimes reading less about what everybody else is doing. Mm. Like, yeah. piece now, like you know, t- five top tips. And it's like, I don't know that anyone that can distill why their life is working and successful in five bullet points. You know, there's so much more yeah. to it than that. And then we age and we shift and we evolve and, you know, our consciousness expands, it contracts, we, our mindset changes. And, you know, as a woman in my 40s, it's just, I mean, irritatingly, not the same as it was in my 20s, that's for sure. So if I'm to look at a 20-year-old, you know, and go, oh, what's she doing? Um, maybe my body will be able to do that. It's it's just not going to work. So I think that personalized approach is so important. And getting inspired, like I love, you know, Murakami was famous for you know, working from 4 till 12 a.m. And then he would go and do extreme, like a lot of sport, rest in the afternoon and go to bed at 8 or 9 o'clock at night. Hmm. But then you've got George O'Keefe, who didn't really start working until 10 o'clock in the morning after having this long, languid, beautiful morning. And she would go to bed quite late and wake quite late, you know, mm-hmm. so it's both creative. So it's it, there's no like wrong or right way to go about it. But mirroring and copying someone else's program, it's going to get tricky. Absolutely. Personalized and is best. And I think also just playing around with it a little bit, having a bit of fun and working out, but then creating the routine so that there's consistency in it. The challenge with everything is that if we're not consistent in the approach with these types of things, when it comes to sleep and meditation and probably even exercising, eating to a certain degree, then that's when we notice that there's challenges around that. I I agree so much. And I think that the more consistent we are, the more leeway we actually have, which is really interesting. You can, if you're very consistent with your sleep, for example, if you're very consistent with your meditation practice or in eating healthy, you can have a bender or you can have, you know, like a Christmas blowout and it's not going to totally derail you. You've got those foundations there. Consistency is, and and discipline, I know it's a tricky word. People think of discipline as, you know, oh, it's going to be really hard, but it's actually really rewarding because it links back to that commitment and the discipline Mm. actually have more flexibility. It's ironic. Absolutely. Yeah. And so Jack, for people that are listening that are, might've dabbled in meditation, didn't work for them, tried it once, didn't work for them, have never really thought about it. Apart from signing up to the broad place, because you send out awesome weekly communication pieces, what's a good way for people to start? And, and given that we're talking about taking a personalized approach as well. Yeah. So I always say that there's a couple of things to consider. The first is realistically, how much time can you give it every day? And then push that a little bit right? So mm-hmm. if you think 10 minutes, just consider 15. If you think it's 15, consider 20, just in the beginning, because you want to just be able to make sure that you've got enough of a window. I also just want to sidebar it by saying anyone that says you can meditate for two minutes is tripping. It's just not going to be a long <laughs> time. I, I don't even know if it's worth doing it from my experience, but this is kind of like, what's the shortcut? I just, I don't think there is one. You really want to be sitting for 10 to 15, 20 minutes and at least once a day. I would also consider where you were going to do it. So if you would like to, you know, if you've got a 
quiet room in the house and you want to sit on a special cushion and you know light your incense and blah blah then you might consider a technique that supports that if you want flexibility which is what i need in with the way i live i would consider a practice that's portable so that you can take and do absolutely anywhere and mantra based practices are really really helpful for that mm. also you don't have to sit without back support, you can see back support, absolutely. So there's a lot of mythology BS that goes with meditation where people think, you know, you have to become a vegan or you need to live a monastic lifestyle or, um, you know, you have to do it for an hour or twice a day. And you don't necessarily need to do that whatsoever. You can if you feel compelled to do that, but there's actually so much more scope. And most meditation isn't actually clearing the mind of thoughts. And it's not about keeping dead still. It's also finding a teacher that you really resonate with. You know, someone that yeah. gets your lifestyle. So I found for me personally as well, if I want to work with teachers, I, I, I don't necessarily want to necessarily long-term be taught by monks who don't understand what it's like to check off family and work. Mm-hmm. Um, I really want to learn with people that are boots on the ground, shoulder to shoulder with me. And I like, um, that's the you know way I train teachers as well. It's like to be in the world and to understand that meditation is a valuable thing that can support your life, but it doesn't have to become your whole life. You know, yeah. the end goal doesn't need to be that you need to move to India and sit in an ashram for six months or move to Japan and sit in a monastery, as glorious as I'm sure that would be. It's really about integrating the technique in with your life. And so if you can find a teacher that gets that and supports that, I think your journey in the modern world will be a lot easier. Absolutely. It's one of those things that I sort of feel you can't try once and decide that you don't like it. It doesn't work. You know, I think like most things, there's a there's a period of time and I don't know what that is. Again, it's probably quite personalised, but it's definitely more than one day. Absolutely. It'd be like eating like, you know, you eat a bowl of greens and you're like, oh, my God, my skin's not transformed and my body's not healthier. And, you know, or I, if I went to the gym once for half an hour and then went, what? Why don't I have a six-pack? <laughs> We, we want to give it time and space to see how it develops. And the most beautiful thing for me for meditation is it isn't stagnant and static. Yeah. Irritatingly, there is no end goal as well. So you don't reach a point where you go, oh, my gosh, I'm cooked, I'm done. It's a practice that you do consistently and it just keeps opening and unfolding from within, which is so fantastic. You know, you could have markers of what you would love to experience, but there's no real success which for us in the modern world is very confusing because we're like all that ticking the box and kicking the goal it it is a daily discipline but that really starts to inform i found when you commit that mindset of i'm doing this regardless it does inform the way in which you approach a lot a lot of other things in life absolutely and i can say that having really truly committed to meditating since october last year every day the discipline that comes through so many other areas of my life is very interesting to observe. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So thank you. Thank you so much for uh, joining me today and sharing all this beautiful knowledge and wisdom. And I know that you're heading off on a beautiful, well-earned break. So I really appreciate your time. And I, I hope that people were able to get something out of this and join us in meditating and incorporating that into daily life to just create as much beautiful wellness for themselves and to just feel better in general as well because I think that that's an an ultimate goal um, certainly when it comes to sleep is looking and feeling better and I, I really truly think that meditating helps with that as well so thanks Jack. I've never ever taught a student that has said I regret that I regret <laughs> meditating and most say I wish I'd done it earlier. Yeah.
absolutely. And I think that, you know, the more people that can just take it on board and it might not be something that they do right now, you might come back to it in 12 months time and go, oh yeah, okay, now I know what they're talking about. Definitely. Yeah. So thank you, Jack, and enjoy your beautiful break. Appreciate it. Thank you for listening to the Sleep by Shea podcast. If you're interested in learning more about our guests or any of the topics we've spoken about today, head on over to the show notes for all the details and sleep advice you need. If you like what you're hearing or are sleeping better, we'd love to hear from you. Don't forget to rate, review and subscribe and listen along with the Sleep by Shea podcast to wake up looking and feeling your very best every day. 